Welcome to Sports Scouts. I'm Joey Goodsir. Michael Rope. And we are ready for another uh, podcast. Um, in this podcast adventure, potentially our exciting Apple Podcast premiere um, here on Wednesday, February 20th. That's when we're recording it. Um, probably have it out later than that, but just for reference, um, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. So uh, we plan on talking about the NBA All-Star Weekend, Manu Mikado. Uh, finally talk about hockey, um, take calls from our voicemail box, um, and a ton more. But first, Michael, here, he will give you some scout scores. So here they are. Yeah, so last night, so Tuesday night, um, February 19th, the girls' basketball team beat, uh, defeated Warren 50-31, to and they will be seeking back-to-back regional championships on Thursday night at 7 as they host Buffalo Grove. And the boys' basketball team also was victorious last night, um, defeating or on Saturday night, defeating Elk Grove 62-48 to in their senior night game. And they have a home matchup with Stevenson to look forward to tonight, closing out the regular season. And the boys' hockey team beat Loyola 7-2 on Sunday to win their state semifinal series against the Ramblers. They will be um, moving on to the championship round <coughs> uh, with game one of a three-game series Friday at 8 o'clock. And the boys' swimming um, Luke Lanigan, Oliver Ekintade, and Colin Kingsley will be swimming in their state meet this coming weekend, beginning with the prelims on Friday. <coughs> and the boys' varsity track and field will compete in the Antioch Invite on Friday, their first meet of the season. So, uh, thanks, Michael. Those are your scout scores. And if you want to hear more on the latest in Lake Forest High School sports, make sure to check out the latest um, articles on the Forest Scout, such as basketball previews and recaps. Um, there's a track preview on there. There's even a tennis preview on there at theforestscout.com. Um, and if you didn't hear the sport you wanted to hear or we screwed up somehow, um, don't complain, but instead just um, send in the scores and um, information you want us to report on um, to sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. That's sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. So Michael can give it a shout-out. So, yeah, um, on international sports. And this is Show Me What You've Got. So um, we're going to start with uh, our headlines of the day um, um, to really lead off the show. So, Michael, what is your um, headline that you want to look into? So mine is after. So the big news yesterday, of course, was the Manny Machado 10-year, $300 million contract he signed with the San Diego Padres, which was definitely finally um, one of the big one yeah, of the big ticket sure. items finally. in this free agency signed. And we're still waiting on Bryce Harper, of course. But definitely this showed me that the free agency market isn't broken, but it's just a new trend that the waiting game really um, is just the way it's going to be from now on out. Teams are, or players are going to have to wait longer and longer than they ever have. It used to be the big ticket items would all be signed by the end of December, uh, but now they're going to be waiting until uh, end of February, early March, just because just because that's the way the um, owners, they want to try to assemble their team um, in a way. And just, I mean, it's not like they still don't want the players, but they're just trying to find um, less expensive options. But to say... To say that um, like a big ticket um, option like Machado uh, is not going to get signed to the deal they wanted, that just showed that that was not true at all. And also, um, this just shows um, that I mean that the older the player gets, um, there, there's not going to be any of those huge contracts anymore for players in their 30s, um, which we've seen like recent years, like a like and it really hasn't worked. Like look at Chris Davis on the Orioles, um, that that didn't work for him at all, and in, in, in the franchise. Um, but yeah, it just gonna it just shows that um, those players that still in their prime can definitely get 
a big contract, but they just got to wait longer because teams are, are a little more hesitant to make the deal, but they still are getting the deal done. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely agree with that on all accounts. And we talked about that last week, and um, it's interesting to see a development on that. Uh, definitely more about that once we get into our news as Manny Mikado's signing is a very, very big story. Um, so my headline, um, not necessarily a hot take like last week, but um, or rant, but just a conversation. Um, really, uh, we we had the NBA All Star Weekend this weekend, um, and you know, really kind of um, finished up the winter um, All Star cycle. Um, really, with the NHL already having their All Star Weekend, um, and you know, obviously the Pro Bowl already happening, and then now the NBA All Star Weekend. Um, and it was pretty, um, it was like, I would say slightly better than average and it was mildly entertaining and I think people, um, enjoyed it. But I think that, um, in this era of sports, we've gotten into kind of, um, what I like to call kind of the conundrum of all-star weekends, which is basically, um, trying all the leagues trying to captivate their audience. Um, in whatever the way they can do it. Ticket sales, I guess, really just not really product they're putting on the on the court it's just more trying to keep people entertained i guess and yeah just kind of i don't know but just really it's just there for fans i guess for just entertainment purposes but really nothing else i guess <laughs> yeah for sure so i mean they're just trying to just trying to do their best with that what they should do with the dunk contest mm-hmm. my honest proposal on the dunk contest and it looked pretty decent this year not i mean not that amazing i don't know i've kind of overall in the last couple of years i've kind of gotten somewhat tired of it um and um, definitely uh, my opinion overall on where the NBA should move from here to make their all-star game even more exciting. And the game itself, I think they're in a pretty cool format now and things are looking pretty good. Obviously there's no offense, but that's just what people go into. That's just the product that they get and they expect that. So that's not that big of a deal. But, um, as far as like the dunk contest goes, I think that they should, um, they should like take it away for like a period of time, maybe five years or so get people excited to bring it back and then bring it back. And then people will be um, tuned in and entertained. So I don't know. That's just my opinion on um, the NBA, but obviously this is just a huge conversation among leagues. We're trying to figure out how to best entertain their audience and how to get the most captivated about all star weekends. Cause they're the way that they've worked out has kind of evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean the skills contest that was, they added a couple of years um, ago, like they kind of added on to it. Um, I mean, that's been a good addition. I mean, that's been it's fun to watch. I mean, a little bit like the last shot. Um, they made the pass. If you if you if people have wa- uh, watched it, listening, they people uh, the players um, make a pass and they run around, um, do um, like whatever the skills, and then they t- take a um, a three point shot at the end. So that I mean that that's pretty entertaining. I mean, just to see who can make the first first three. I guess. I mean, it's always kind of funny to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really this All Star Weekend is really now just for entertainment purposes. I mean, and the leagues is trying to do their best, I think, just to keep the fans entertained throughout the the course of the um, of the All Star Weekend. Yeah, we'll see how that develops going forward. And uh, that was showing what you got. And now it's time to move on to news. Um, so we'll start with Manny Mikado. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, he signed a historic $300 million 10-year deal with the San Diego Padres, uh, which is the second largest total value value contract in MLB history, according to ESPN, and also the largest um, for a free agent um, in coming to a team. So, Michael, what do you think this means for baseball? 
Um, yeah. What do you think this means for baseball going forward with this big news story? Well, um, a couple of years ago, uh, Bryce Harper, I mean, everyone was saying he's going to be the first guy to get $500 million or um, something close to that, which was kind of absurd at the time to say, and um, still is now, and he's definitely not going to be getting that. But, um, I mean, it goes to show um, that the that guy kind of said the free agent uh, market isn't broken. It's just teams now, they have better options that are younger, and they can poss- possibly, they might not be able to do put up the exact same amount of home runs. They hit, they could hit 25 instead of hitting 30, but you pay a lot less for the, the player, and you can still get a decent production from them that's pretty close to like a player like Machado or Harper, but it still shows the players that are in their uh, prime that are that had their best years um, um, upcoming in the free agency, um, in, in, in the contract that, that is included um, in the free agency, uh, like, like Manny Machado, 26 years old, so he's still in his best years. Same with Bryce Harper. So it still shows that Bryce Harper will get the contract he desired. And um, and also, key point of that is Machado and Harper have the same agent, Scott Boris. So definitely Boris will use uh, Machado just to get Harper um, definitely a little bit more than what uh, Machado got from the Padres. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do find it uh, hilarious from a Cubs fan perspective of the fact that the White Sox waited as long as they did, and this is what they got with Machado going to San Diego. So that's kind of a disappointment for them. It probably would have been good for the city of Chicago, but, I mean, I don't care right now. I'm, I'm admittedly going to be a selfish Cubs fan about this. But, um, meanwhile, um, all the eyes are going to be definitely on uh, Bryce Harper now to see what he could do before spring training um, and then the season. Um, spring training getting underway very, very soon. Um, we'll be talking about that in the near future. Yeah, then also the other news that we have, um, Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers met with the president of the franchise, and per his Twitter, um, both sides agreed that it's time to move on from the Pittsburgh era with a forthcoming uh, trade. So, um, so Joey, obviously this story has been um, a long one when it comes to Antonio Brown's social media presence concerning the matter. So um, does this... The meeting, I guess, um, affect the end result of, of this trade. So it's been it's been a very very large opinion um, across sports media, basically that um, Antonio Brown has had a very very large presence on his social media throughout this whole dealing with the Steelers, and um, it's it's been pretty widely um, said all over the place that Antonio Brown is going to be negative negatively affected by that, um, and despite his talent, he's going to be slightly hindered by that, and teams are going to be a lot more scared to have him um, step on their roster. Um, but I would like to say that I, while I agree with that, I think that I think that it's been far more emphasized than what the truth may be among NFL owners. And I think while it has an, while it has a negative effect, it won't have as much of a negative effect as people think it does. Um, because um, I think that Antonio Brown can um, mature and move on from the situation, especially because it was dealt with, in a good way and the Steelers probably you know it's been an interesting story with the Steelers seeing how they can uh, move on from this in a more positive way so that they don't encounter another Le'Veon Bell scenario um but I so yeah I think it I think it'll affect him but just not as much as people make it out to be and in the end I mean his his talent as a wide receiver will um outweigh that and and teams will be um although slightly less interested because of the social media stuff they will still be interested in picking up Antonio Brown yeah, I mean, definitely the talent. I mean, I think, okay, I'll just start here. Um, I think the Steelers definitely are okay. They are the Kardashians of the NFL, the way this whole sure. Le'Veon Bell 
um, um, s- scenario has played out, and and now Antonio Brown. So I mean, definitely like you you said, Antonio Brown. I I recognize too that he's one of the best receivers in the league, and rightfully so. He's each year in and out. He's been one of the best um, in yards, touchdowns, whatever stat you pick for a receiver. But the thing that you don't that is not on a stat book is um, presence in the locker room. And um, a couple of years ago, he had that incident where he was recording in in the locker room on like his Facebook Live or something. Um, the conversation that Mike Tomlin and the team were having. So definitely trust has been a problem with Antonio Brown with the Steelers. And I don't know. I just think that he um, with he's bringing a lot of baggage with him to wherever, wherever he goes. And I think that he's just going to have to um, just own up to the fact that he that he that he's not going to always be the center of attention. He's just going to have to let the team. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's just going to have to let the team um, play its course and just not – and he needs not have to take his – take his fingers um, to Twitter every single time he's not happy about something and just take, keep everything in-house if he has a disagreement with a coaching staff or a player. So definitely just to keep the team chemistry, um, to not ruin a team chemistry like how the Steelers have been ruined this last year. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So there's our news. Um, up next here, excitingly, we have our first uh, Let's Sit Down interview segment. We got uh, Mark Smirnoff coming on, and we're about to play that for you. Uh, we talked hockey. As I said, we're finally giving hockey its due. So um, enjoy. Welcome to Let's Sit Down. This is our uh, first edition of this new interview segment. And um, the music you just heard right now um, is what our school's new media team captured recently. Uh, with our uh, longtime sports fan and great friend Mark Smirnov, our guest on the trumpet as part of the Swing Sonatas and their cover of Bill Bird and Teddy McRae's Broadway, uh, of course made famous by the Count Basie Orchestra. And the music is obviously why he is here, as there's a very, very exciting talent show coming up here at LFHS. And uh, Mark will be performing with both the jazz band and the Swing Sonatas, who you just heard. Um, so um, thanks for being on, Mark. It's going to be going to be a good time talking about sports but um first of all uh what is the swing sonatas and why is this talent show going to be special for the band yeah uh thanks for having me uh so the swing sonatas is the uh jazz combo i'm in um i play the trumpet in it uh katie pierce plays the piano charlotte Moore on bass and uh we have robert hammond right now on drums um and this is you know one of the band's last talent shows so gonna be a lot of fun we have a good piece and um yeah yeah uh one of the last runs one of the last runs of shows f- for you guys which is pretty um fun and exciting i already got my tickets definitely yeah. definitely <laughs> do that um so uh when is the talent show and uh what should people be looking out for as far as getting tickets and getting out yeah so uh the talent show is thursday through friday at 7 p.m each night uh it'll be in the school's RMA uh, and tickets are $15 for all of you guys and $25 for adults I think but yeah, yeah. all right um, awesome so obviously music is why you're here but why we brought you on here is to um, do what I promised last week which is give hockey its due because <laughs> hockey is the greatest sport of all time and so I we're know. here to talk about um, just that here so um, we're going to start with the fact that um, we picked a good week 
um, to start with our hockey coverage because Sunday was Hockey Day in America, which kicks, was, which kicks off Hockey Week in America. Um, it's, you know, the first really week where people start to, you know, general sports fans start to transition over to hockey. Um, and things really start to pick up and we start to see where things are going going into the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, let's just kind of let's just kind of dive into it as far as uh, conference wide what we're looking at. So let's start with um, let's start with the Eastern Conference and then we'll move into the Western Conference. Um, so yeah, um, Michael, what are your thoughts about the Eastern Conference right now? Right now, I think it's <clears throat> the L- Tampa right now. It's really just them and Boston. Really, just everyone else. I mean, uh, you could probably put the Maple Leaves in there too, but really, it's just those three teams, and then ev- everyone else is just right behind them, I guess. And it just kind of goes to show, um, I mean, Tampa's been, it's kind of like the Blackhawks have been the last couple, or before, like, the, the fall off a little bit, but they're still definitely playing better now, the Blackhawks. But before then, they've just, they've just been really consistent these last couple of years, and they've been making um, deep runs into the playoffs each year, Tampa, that is. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we kind of hit the three-quarter mark of the season. Um, Tampa's, Tampa's a really good team. Um, up, you know, up and down the middle. Um, I, I, I mean, I like the Maple Leafs. I like the changes that they've had in, you know, the past off season and stuff. Um, Boston's got a good core, um, but they've had a lot of injuries. Um, and I like what the Islanders have done. I mean, Barry Trotz. Um, you know, I think they got potential, but Tampa's really, Tampa's hitting the Eastern Conference right now. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously see how things change as late, but um, I would definitely agree as far as that goes. Um, right now, really, um, the Lightning are leading the pack, but, um, you know, there's some other decent contenders, not as many as I think we may have expected with the Eastern Conference. I think that the difference, um, and we'll obviously get into that between the Eastern and Western Conference, is that the Western Conference, we probably thought going into the season was going to be far more competitive overall, and that the Eastern Conference was going to have a bunch of good teams, but it was going to be pretty predictable how how it's going to turn off turn out going into the playoffs and right now um it's kind of a little bit different in the eastern conference as far as um there's really just a couple contenders to talk about really yeah for the western conference it's really just the team to look out for has been the blues i mean they've won 11 in a row now they definitely put cemented themselves and back into the competition in the western conference so their team definitely to look out for as we head down um because we're in the final quarter of the season so that's definitely a team to keep uh, watching to see if they can keep up their hot hot stretch going into the postseason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say the same. The Blues are Blues are a little weird because um, they have a consistent record of um, you know making changes and then trying to go out through them, and they always sort of end up short um, in the playoffs. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see what the Blues do, um, uh, see what Nashville can do as well this year. Um, if Vegas can repeat their, you know, long, amazing run that they had last year in the, you know, deep in the playoffs. Um, I'm also interested with what Calgary can do. Um, I feel like this is um, more of Calgary's year, at least, um, compared to previous years. Um, Johnny Gaudreau is just a beast. Um, For sure. Know, um, yeah, I'll just yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a definitely an interesting year when you get Calgary um, leading their way out of the Pacific at least right now, which is kind of, mm-hmm. um, 
an interesting approach into the playoffs because you don't see that that often. So, um, well, at least recently. So it'll be um, an exciting team to pay attention to and see how that goes because this is this is definitely um, turned out to be a big year for them. Um, definitely agree with the um, Blues for sure. Um, as you know, we'll get in a, a pretty lengthy conversation about the Hawks probably. Um, and their recent uh, win over the Wild obviously has an effect on the Hawks' uh, potential playoff berth, um, but that's just another part. for um, From their perspective, that's just another part of a 10-win streak that's really um, proven how solid they've been um, in what has been kind of a juggled-up Western Conference when, you know, what was really expected was, like, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of predictable competition. Um yeah, throughout the whole conference. So that's really kind of what we're looking at as far as the league right now um, as we go into these, you know, last few months. Um, so, I mean, I don't know I don't know if you guys saw anything from um, this previous weekend, obviously kicking off this week, but do you guys have any highlights by any chance, any results from that from the weekend um, that was interesting or um, show something? about um, the NHL this week? Well, I guess um, <clears throat> I could talk about that, I guess. I mean, I guess we could. T- you, you kind of mentioned the game last night, the, or the other night, the Wild game, um, the Wild uh, versus the Hawks. I mean, that was definitely – I mean, the Hawks, they were playing so hot um, going into that game, um, and that, that was really just a game that kind of showed everyone, like, this really isn't a fluke. The Hawks actually really do have a legitimate chance to wrap up – to get a final spot into the playoffs – so I mean, it showed that the Hawks really are um, are definitely a real contender, and they're not just um, and it's not really isn't the fluke. I think I think they really have found made the changes they need to to, um, to make, and they really have found like an identity. I think now going to the final stretch of the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the um, Hawks games around the the weekend was um, something big to look at. Um, definitely their their run in the previous couple weeks here. Um, has changed up things a ton. Um, as far as uh, this weekend, there there were a lot of there were a lot of cool results out of out of um, the game outside of um, out of, outside of the Wild Blues matchup on sun on uh, yeah on Sunday. Um, there was there was a bunch of um, uh, the Penguins had an interesting showing. Um, there was a bunch of there was a bunch of interesting scores from that day. Um, there, um, it was really, it was really an interesting day for hockey because there, there was, there was a bunch of awesome games. There was even a uh, USA Canada rivalry series in Detroit between both women's teams, which is awesome. Um, very, very exciting. Canada came out on top in that, by the way. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of fine, fun highlights from that weekend. Um, definitely getting people excited for um, later, later on in the season and as the season rolls out to see what will happen. Um, when we have a bunch of um, really, really interesting teams um, going into these last couple weeks. And also the trade deadlines um, on this upcoming Monday, the 25th, so definitely got to keep an eye out for that for teams that are making moves um, down down to the wire of the trade deadline. Yeah, just to add to all that, um, yeah, the, tra- the trade deadline is going to be really interesting. I really want to see um, what happens with the Blue Jackets team with uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky. Those are, you know, massive trades that could possibly take place. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what teams around the league do th- with that, uh, what the Hawks want to do with that potentially. They do have some money 
um, from the salary cap accumulating. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, also the game on um, Monday between the Hawks and the Senators, I think you went to Yeah, I was, I was there. Um, so we, we, uh, we got a couple of games. Obviously, you were, you, were, you were there on Thursday. I was um, there on Thursday, yeah. When the Hawks played the Devils, um, I was there um, on Monday night for what was a crazy offensive scoring game. Yeah, um, no, it was a it was it was really fun to watch, um, and it really it, it showed me, at least me, what you know the Hawks kind of have in place right now. Um, right, I like, I think they they're you know up and up until whatever happens with Crawford, I think they're going with Cam Ward. Um, um, I think Colin Deliat, you know, he has that backup position, um, but I think I think they're going with Ward right now up until Crawford gets healthy and whatever happens with that. Um, you know, Kane's got that point streak right now. Yeah, you know, definitely keep that going. He has like the third longest assist streak right now behind I don't remember who, but behind Gretzky. Um, and then Alex DeBrinket is just on fire, and he has an amazing shot, and it's. You know, it's fun to see that. So yeah, and definitely, Joey, if you know about this um, tonight, the Hawks play against the, the Red Wings. So definitely, big game for for yeah. you, Joey. Yeah, Joey. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna bring that up as a preview because um, obviously it's an interesting matchup. You guys, um, if I mean, I don't know if I've I've fully mentioned on the show. You guys know my allegiance to the Red Wings. I, I mean, I, I obviously love the Hawks too. I'm a Red Wings fan when it comes to them playing each other. But it's really, really an interesting situation. Um, at LCA tonight because um, the Red Wings winning for them is losing right now. That's the way it used to be for the Hawks this 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 year, um, but now the Red Wings are kind of um, still in that place and um, they're definitely in the running um, to be one of the worst teams in the league and have their spot um, at in the draft. Um, so I mean it's kind of interesting because you know I unquestionably root for the Red Wings' interests over the Hawks and. They might actually be losing this game, and the Hawks. The, the Hawks definitely need to um, keep their keep their um, winnings going going into the playoffs because um, they're in a very very tight wild card race. So I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird to say, but um, it would be it would be probably a beneficial result if the Hawks won, and they you know they got close to their playoff run. But uh, more importantly, the Red Wings are um, still in the running for a top draft pick. With a loss, and I want to see them get that draft pick because yeah. they've, you know, embraced the rebuild. Yeah, um, finally, which, which, which I'm yeah, excited about. Which the Hawks don't plan on doing, I guess. Which, I mean, whatever. But yeah, it's um, it's a Wednesday night rivalry game, and you know, you always like to see that. Um, these games happen twice a year uh, because of how the scheduling has worked out in the past few years with the league. Really unfortunate. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I think that's kind of the one thing is that this, th- this is one of my favorite rivalries in sports. And I, I, it's, it's kind of become a weird, sad ish thing because it just doesn't happen as much anymore. And obviously it's not in the situation right now where both teams are competitive. So it's kind of weird, but I mean, I guess it's still considered a Wednesday night rivalry game. It'll be fun. Um, it'll be Mike Tirico's first hockey game as a play by play announcer, which will kind of be interesting. Um, from just the hockey fan perspective, if you're a football fan, if you're familiar with Mike Tirico, it'll be kind of interesting to see what he can do um, when it comes to announcing a hockey game. Um, but yeah, that's something to look forward to for sure. Um, the one thing I want to move into, for um, and we kind of already ducked into it a little bit, was 
uh, the fact that you know Patrick Kane um, is on a point streak right now and Nikita Kucherov is on a point streak right now and they're kind of going back and forth. Um, Patrick Kane had a goal and an assist, I believe, on Monday night, but he lost ground in Nikita Kucherov because Kucherov got like five points. So it's it's been a it's been a crazy um, run run lately. So I mean, um, do you think, especially with Nikita Kucherov's uh, uh, assist numbers so far, which are very very high, um, do you think he can get um, on? the kind of legendary level and you know maybe go into the upper 90s maybe even break 100 um i mean it, it's it's interesting comparing Nikita kucherov and patrick kane um in the sense that um you know Nikita kucherov is having a phenomenal season and probably probably a better season than patrick kane considering where the blackhawks have been at this season um um, you know, Nikita Kucherov's got a bunch of skill um, and, you know, has been a, obviously a core player for them in previous years. Um, in terms of getting to the same legendary level as Patrick Kane, I don't know because um, Tampa has had players that have, that have brought that kind of legendary impact to Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Marty St. Louis, Steven Stamkos, um so you know i it, it's kind of i don't know i don't know how i feel about comparing the two yeah. um but there's obviously no doubt that um you know patrick kane is you know keeping the blackhawks together and you know probably even inspiring them at you know on some level um and nikita kucherov is you know 100% contributing to uh, Tampa's, you know, season-long surge that they have going on this year. So, yep. Yeah, Kucherov is gonna—he's <clears throat> gonna need eventually. Um, he's only 25, but he's gonna eventually gonna need a ring to add to that because Kane's got that <clears throat> his legacy with the Hawks, with the three rings they've gotten, and the last one the Lightning have gotten was 2004. So definitely to add, he definitely has his own personal accolades, but definitely he's gonna need that team, um, that that team, the team, the boost of getting a. Uh, a team victory in the Stanley Cup would definitely add to his legacy to compare him to Kane, but I don't think I don't think you can can put him on the same level right now as Patrick Kane. What he's done in his whole career, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely not to not to underplay what um, Patrick Kane's mm-hmm. career and what his season has been because it's been incredible. And right now, he's yeah. he's starting to really um, cement himself in the conversation for being. Um, I mean, he's already one of, but he. He he could potentially move up to being the greatest American-born hockey player. Um, obviously, at this point, With at Madonna. least in my opinion, it's me. It's him and Chris Chelios right now. It's really just that. Um, and may you know, depending on what he can do to close out his career. Now he's kind of old, which is really really weird to think about. But um, um, yeah, to see what he can do to close out his career, because you know. I mean, Chris Chelios ended up playing for an extremely long time. It's kind of weird to think that he retired in, like, 2008. Um, but, yeah, there's, he's definitely entering himself into that conversation. He's having a historic run, and um, it'll definitely be exciting to see how it plays out, especially being here in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, that's a fun conversation, you know, U.S.-born hockey players and stuff. Um, you know, Mike Badano, Chris Chelios. For sure. Um, but but I, I with Nikita Kucherov, I think he is – 
cementing himself as least as at least as a um, you know as a as a Hart Trophy contender um, or you know as one of those top NHL stars right now. So um, that's kind of fun to see through the years. So yeah. All right, so we're going to get into some Hawks talk in a second. But before we do that, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what has been a pretty popular topic as of lately, which is um, um, everybody's favorite Carolina Hurricanes, um, who have um, recently been uh, making a splash in the NHL um, with some um, success in their own um, wild card race um, that has been um, accompanied with some uh, pretty um, – unusual and entertaining post-game celebrations um, that um, CBC, um, you know, legendary analyst Don Cherry has not appreciated. And um, the Carolina Hurricanes have responded by using his bunch of jerks comment as kind of um, a rallying cry for the team, making t-shirts, making it their Twitter bio, um, lots of things like that. So, I mean, I guess my question to you guys, if, if you guys have um, – seeing all the stuff that you're doing, do you, do you agree with Don Cherry or do you think that the um, hurricane, Hurricanes' actions are um, justified and are an exciting addition to hockey? I mean, I've seen it. Um, no, I don't agree with Don Cherry because he's Don Cherry. Um, yeah, there's also but, that. <laughs> um, yeah, Don Cherry's a character. Um, but, I mean, I can see what he's saying. I can see where specifically Don Cherry is coming from. Um, he's kind of in that, you know, um, that kind of, um, you know, older league, um, um, era, I guess. Um, and I can see the, the professional tone that he is trying to, uh, apply to hockey, but hockey changes, the hockey community changes. And I think what the Hurricanes are doing is good. And I, I mean, each team has their own tradition, um, you know. This is basically like saying that, you know, cheering before, cheering during the anthem at the UC is, you know, disrespectful. It's basically the same thing. And um, I feel like if, if it's helping them, if it's giving the Hurricanes an identity, especially with the surge that they're, you know, that they're having right now, um, you know, why not? It's yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would touch on that too. I mean, I guess if it, if it keeps the team – uh, moving in the right direction, I guess. <clears throat> it's definitely, I mean, might as well. I don't know. It's kind of a weird comment to make, but, I mean, I guess the team the team is winning, I guess, and there's still a bunch of jerks. Like, I, mean, like, might, I mean, what the heck? I mean, might as well might as well say it. If it motivates the whole the, the team and the fan base, I mean, I guess it could be a motivation to get them playing better, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the Hurricanes have always needed um, something to rally around, and this is, this is definitely – um, one thing to give them that, so that's I guess that's kind of exciting for them, and they're going to play that out. Yeah, they're um, they're taking criticism too and making it into you know a trend. So yeah, I mean absolutely. It, if this is the Hurricanes' time, then so be it. Um, yeah. Um, additionally, um, the Carolina Hurricanes owner has invested in um, the AAF, which has been a recent headline. Um, and uh, Michael and I uh, just kind of that's kind of a preview toward Michael and I, who are going to talk more about um, the AAF. Um, in the coming segments here because that's definitely a hot topic and um yeah the nhl has kind of made their own um stake in that whole thing um but uh lastly before we go we're gonna uh talk about um the local team definitely the biggest story around here which is uh the blackhawks who have randomly become a potential playoff contender 
uh, with some with the recent win streak and um, some exciting results recently, as we talked about on Monday, um, on Monday night especially. Um, but um, my last question, I guess, before before we go, is what do you think um, the Hawks need to do going forward in order to um, basically cement themselves in the playoffs and um, finish off the season as best as possible? I mean, I guess I think for them, um, I mean, I guess if they get Corey Crawford back pretty soon, um, that's definitely going to be I mean, consistency from, from the goaltender. I mean, that's definitely going to be um, something that, that they can use down the stretch. But also, I mean, I think just to play of, of just, I mean, I think um, Patrick Kane just continuing to, like we talked about his legacy earlier, I mean, if he can get the team from where they were from the start of the season into the playoffs and possibly even making um, a run, possibly maybe even getting pa- like a, like past the first rounder, or a big upset or something like that. I mean, they definitely that definitely adds to Patrick Kane's uh, own legacy. So, however it turns out, um, the rest of the year, Patrick Kane can really um, just keep adding to his already um, amazing resume in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So I think that um, the main reason why the end of this season is going to be interesting is because um, they're you know it'll be interesting where they how they finish up considering what kind of season they've had um and um you know the beginning of the season had the firing of coach q um which arguably no one saw coming um um and you know obviously it's not the same team it's not you know one of the same teams that 2010 2013 2015 had um, where you had a stable team, um, you had a lot of depth. Um, the Hawks have lost a lot of that, but they're accumulating it. Um, core players are stepping up. Jonathan Tace has stepped up more than Huge. he has. Yeah, for this sure. is probably one of the biggest um, seasons for him as far as just relative presence on the team. Yep, for sure. Uh, higher presence from him, which the Hawks you know needed back in 2016, coming off the 2015 hangover. Right, um, for sure. Um, and I think in terms of what they need, if Jonathan Taze can keep going, if Patrick Kane can, can, can keep going, um, if Alex Dabrinkin can step up to, um, you know, potentially be, you know, that core, you know, left wing first, um, first liner, second liner, um, if the D solidifies a little bit, Corey Crawford comes back, um, and they just have a more they just have more confidence in how their roster rounds up um i think it'll be pretty interesting and in what they can do yeah, yeah I mean, for sure oh, you can go Joe. Yeah. yeah i mean they, for me this i mean it's just kind of it's it's pretty uh simple in this way for me there's two different chicago blackhawks teams this year one of them is the team that we got used to at the beginning of the season which is um not a very high quality due to their just kind of lack of punk puck control especially in their own zone um and in the neutral zone especially uh where they kind of were just messing around and they didn't really have anything together and when um, you go there and see that it's, right yeah it's not good <laughs> um and then there's the version that we've seen more lately which is the version of them that's good in which they're very very um they're very very fast they have very they have a ton of offensive presence um alex to um jonathan Tays. Patrick Kane um, definitely leading the charge in that. So it's just about um, 
procuring that as much as possible, as well as trying to maintain some good goaltending. And then if they can do that, they can not only you know make it in the playoffs, but make a decent splash. If they can't do that, then they'll be nowhere near the playoffs. And at this point, since they've decommitted from tanking, they might experience what the Red Wings have experienced for the last couple of years, which is kind of hanging in mediocrity, not being able to make it out of it. So it's going to be a deal of either make the playoffs or um, they're going to, ha- or the Hawks are going to have to embrace um, tanking and fully rebuilding in the future. And yeah, at this point, you like if they're it's going down the this path, I mean, you kind of got to keep going. Right. And you can't screw it up, um, you know, on the ice or with management, especially yeah. with Stan Bowman, because there's, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's still questions. There's still questions yeah. surrounding that. This so. might be yeah one of the last shots they might have for quite a while. Because I mean, with um, Taze and Kane both, and they're now thirty. I mean, it's crazy to there's, think there's about. There's going to be yeah, eventually because Taze definitely to say he regressed last year is kind of an understatement. Like he was at times last year, like people probably thought like that was it of Jonathan Taze, but he's really rebounded this year and been a real leader um, and great player on the ice. But, um, yeah, but definitely I think this is – I think the Hawks' ownership is probably realizing this, that this is probably the last real realistic shot they might have for quite a while if if Kane – because Kane and Taze probably from just now on out being in, the, in their 30s, you really don't know what to expect. They could definitely, like, um, keep on regressing um, in, in these next couple of years um, at, a, at a pretty steady rate. So – so definitely, yeah, this could be the real like last shot the Hawks have for quite a while. Yeah. All right. So I think that'll um, do it. Definitely, wa- definitely pay attention to what's um, going on in the NHL in the future as we got um, for sure some exciting runs ahead of us. We'll see what the Hawks can do. Um, so this was Mark Smirnov. He's going to be in the talent show uh, with the Swing Sonatas and the Jazz Band, along Ooh. with a bunch of other awesome acts that we um, know and love. We got a bunch of stories on it up on the Forest Scout, so check that out, theforestscout.com. Good stuff, good previews. Um, lots of different, you know, media coverage um, all over the place about this event. So it's super, super exciting. Um, as we said, Thursday through Saturday. So go check um, it out. Check that out. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, and uh, we are back from the uh, Let's Sit Down interview segment. We hope we, you enjoyed that as uh, much as we did talking to Mark about hockey. Um, and now it is time for They Don't Scout Like This. Um, and today we're going to be talking about um, basically the new rules across sports and as well as the new leagues because, of course, we have um, most currently right now we have the AAF or um, as Brian Cook on MGO Blog calls it, the AF, or as Michael Wilbon called it recently, the AF, which I prefer, the AF. I like to call it the AF. Um, that's, that's going on right now. There's the XFL. Um, and really there's, there's the change in rules in the MLB with the pitch clocks that they're going to be trying out in spring training, which I know Clayton Kershaw, among many other pitchers have been opposed to. So, I mean, Michael, what are your, what are your kind of thoughts on all these, um, evolutions going forward and how much do you think the, these kind of experiments, I guess, are going to affect the actual game, um, in the future? Well, I mean, pace of play in baseball, I'll start with that. Um, I really don't – I mean, I honestly – I mean, having played baseball, um, I mean, throughout throughout my life, I guess, um, I mean, I guess really it doesn't really – I think take putting a pitch clock in any game, whatever, I don't think it's really worth worth the cost of trying to save an extra 10 minutes of a game. Like, really, I don't know. I just, I just – it just kind of seems like a, an artificial aspect to baseball, which, I mean, baseball really is – it's not a timed sport. I mean, just let the game play out. I mean, that's just the beauty of the game, I think, is just letting – 
letting the game play its course without having to have a clock in there just because the owners um, or the commissioner wants to save um, an extra like 10 to 15 minutes in a ball game. I mean, I think you got to skip pitchers. I mean, the thing that, that bothers me, though, is um, definitely all these uh, mound visits all the time. That's kind of ridiculous. Right. Like a pitching coach going up there like every every three batters. Like, I think that that is definitely a problem. But having the pitchers time when they're pitching, I don't think that's really um, going to do the league any good. But, but also possibly putting in a limit for relievers maybe, which can save time, is – um, it's having a pitcher uh, have at least a minimum of batters they can they can face t- before they're taken out of the game to save time. But putting a pitch clock in that just seems kind of super. Um, that just seems really ar- artificial to me, and it just not that's not really true baseball, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of the dilemma that we're facing right now because we all know that MLB players more than anybody they think the game is perfect. They don't want to mess with it. Which I mean, who could blame them? That the, that's their system. Um, but then there's obviously the evolution of the game and uh, the MLB is trying to keep baseball um, on the top of people's minds. Um, I mean, I think that there's lots of things that can be put in moderation as far as speed of play. But I think that the thing that people, and the reason why I put this in They Don't Scout like this, I think that what people aren't talking about, and I just think that this is maybe the bigger reality that baseball has to face to some degree. But like personally, I see a huge difference between sitting around and watching a regular season game and a postseason game oh, and definitely. people are and people are into watching postseason games and people love the drama they love the slowness of it that adds to the game of baseball right in the regular season that it's doesn't really drama yeah in the regular season that doesn't really do that and I think that the thing that people I mean if you go to a baseball game no matter what baseball game it is you're gonna I mean you're if you're if you're a moderate sports fan you're gonna have fun watching the game mm-hmm. and I don't think it's about sitting around because people are willing to sit around for four hours for a football game or a Super Bowl or whatever, considering the crazy amounts of ads the NFL and college football have. So, I mean, I think that the thing that the MLB needs to face is maybe the answer is not shorter games, but less less frequency of games over the season. Maybe the season stays the same length, but there's just less games and less often because I think that that's what that's what has made football that's what's made basketball i think that's what's made it more successful is that there's a lot more urgency there i can always say you know i mean i'm a cubs fan i can always say you know i want to watch the cubs tonight but then if if that doesn't work out i could be like okay there's always tomorrow there's always tomorrow in baseball that's the thing with the regular season and without that urgency if i got to get to a tv to watch my team that kind of football has because they're only out there you know 14 times regular season or 12 times regular season in college football i think that the mlb might might need to look into maybe maybe having less less of a higher um you know saturated schedule throughout their summer um and maybe they just have less games so that people are more urgent to go see their to go watch their teams on tv yeah i mean definitely i mean the 162 game season has been has been in baseball i mean as long as anyone can really remember but definitely i mean that that definitely is um maybe just a couple games i guess or maybe given giving uh teams maybe a few more days off a couple more days off throughout the season integrated into the season so they can rest their rest their players. It would also be a safety thing, yeah, for sure, as you said. Yeah, and then, but also you said the postseason. I mean, there's, if you would change, I don't know, whatever whatever they want to do with pace of play regarding the, um, the game, the pitch clock, whatever. I think I don't know. I just really don't. I'm not really a fan of that because I mean, postseason. There's nothing really like postseason baseball. It's just that I think I honestly would really rather watch postseason baseball over literally any other uh, postseason. It's just every other every pitch. You're just on the edge of your seat, I think, if you're a fan of the game. And it's just every pitch is so important to the game and the outcome of the game. So 
Definitely, yeah. But the league does need it for safety concerns, definitely. Possibly maybe having a few more um, days off in, in the season. Maybe not changing the amount of games, but maybe giving them a few more days off after like an all-star break or around then once they start to get a little tired around the midway point of the year. But definitely, yeah, a few more, a few changes could be made for player safety. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, the AAF, um, I just shortly covered on that. Have you, have you watched any of the AAF? I've seen a little bit of it. I mean, actually, it's been pretty. Ex- I wasn't really sure what to expect when it came out, but it's been a little. It's been pretty exciting. Not, not gonna lie about that. A few of the games have been exciting, but I mean, definitely, it yeah. doesn't compare like the NHL or the uh, NFL or the college football. But definitely, yeah. It's there's been some exciting moments, yeah. Actually, yeah, for sure. I have, I haven't watched any of it personally, but I look forward to it because people people have been positive about it, and we'll definitely talk about that more in the future, uh, for sure. Right. We actually got some calls into our voicemail box, um, and you know I'm gonna encourage you guys, whoever you are, definitely do this. Whatever the question may be, um, send it in um, to two two four five four four. 9330 that's 224-544-9330 it's going to be um it's going to be awesome to hear you guys participate in the show so let's get into it here's our first question hello there has been a lot of anti-jim boylan slander on the four scout lately with the released article by andrew shaw how do you like to respond to these uh accusations that the bulls should fire garpax and jim boylan when he's clearly the best coach the bulls have ever had Thank you. Well, um, I'll answer that one. Um, yeah, go ahead. Definitely, <laughs> Jim Boylan um, has definitely been an interesting character since he's been um, put in as I think that's how Shaw put it. And I was talking to him the other day. An interesting character you described Boylan, but definitely, um, yeah, Shaw. Uh, it was an interest. I read the article and definitely, yeah. I mean, Boylan. Um, I think Shaw's was more of a disappointment of the Bulls um, yeah, organization sure. as a whole. And we talked about that last week. Yeah, definitely, and I think. The Bulls just need, need need a spark now, I think, and fans are just losing patience because it's, it's just been constant chaos each year um, since since they made the playoffs. Um, I believe it was two years ago, two, three years ago, um, when they lost in the first round against Boston. But uh, definitely, yeah, um, the Bulls are going to need to have a quick turnaround, whether it's in the draft or if they get an early pick this year, top three pick, or um, get a big ticket item in free agency, which is going to be hard because the Bulls haven't been winning in a while, so players are going to be more um, hesitant and wanting to sign with them. So definitely they're going to need some def- ownership changed or something or a, a top pick or something to get their team um, back on track. Yeah, uh, for sure. Check out Shaw's article. It's on the fourscout.com. I edited it. Um, it was a fun edit because I share a lot of opinions with Shaw um, on the Bulls right now. So um, definitely look into that and check that out because um, there's a lot of um, good commentary about Garpacks on there and the Bulls and what's next for them. So here's our next question. Hey, guys, it's just unbelievable to me that the Cubs have not fired Theo Epstein and Joe Madden yet. Theo and Joe are dragging this team to the ground. Like, how, we have a World Series caliber roster, and we can't even make it out of a wild card round. Unbelievable to me. Tell me what you guys think about this. So I'll take this question. Um, it's it's a pretty hilarious one. I love it. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I, I There's some frustrations about the Cubs, and we'll look – We'll 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 talk about them more once spring training starts for sure. But I mean, I obviously, um, you know, congratulations for making it on the show with that question because I, I don't think there's any way we believe that the Hot Cubs <laughs> that the Cubs are um, as bad as they as they need to you know make some front office and management changes. I mean, I I've always held my own hot take on Joe Madden 
um, used to be that he's the greatest manager of all time because what other manager that's alive right now can say they brought the Cubs to a World Series championship? So, I mean, hey, there's that. I mean, but but more seriously, I think that they're both, um, you know, Joe Madden was almost manager of the year and a pretty tough year for the Cubs, and he kept them alive in a year when it was really, really tough to keep them around. Um, and Theo Epstein has been uh, building the team long-term pretty well. Um, and we'll see how that plays out in the future. But as of right now, that obviously be too, too soon to say. But, yeah, I mean, I guess it goes to show, too, the standard the Cubs um, organization has set for fans. Yeah. That's not something um, we'd say about the Cubs. Yeah, like 10 years uh, ago or yeah. five years ago. Whatever, five years ago, yeah. Even, But, yeah, definitely that goes to show um, Theo Epstein and the man, Jed Hoyer um, definitely have, have set the standard. But it's it goes to show the Cubs definitely need to – Make a deep run in the playoffs this year. Otherwise, I think Joe Madden, even though he has that ring, has since he's been with the Cubs, he's won 90 games plus each year. 100, 100 games, over 100 games, 103 in uh, 2016 when they won the World Series. But if he doesn't get deep in the playoffs, make the World Series, I think that he, the Cubs are going to need to make, I think they will make a change in their uh, managerial position because they're going to want to keep keep the team fresh, a new, mi- a new mind um, that they listen to every day. And I think Man has done a great um, a great job, but I think he needs to get a little. He was a little too soft. They the Cubs management said the Epstein specifically said um, the end of last year that um, he could have been a little harder on the players, pushed them a little harder. So definitely they're going to keep close eye on that this year at Madden's. Um, if Madden wants to keep his job for for 2020. All right, here's our next question. Hi Joey, this is AJ Shaw. I'm a big fan of Sports Scouts. Uh, my question is. What do you think is the Cubs' biggest question entering uh, the regular season? Do you think it's their pitching, it's their bullpen, their lineup? What do you think? Uh, thank you guys for taking my question, and have a nice day. Um, yeah, thanks, AJ. I'll answer this one, too. Um, I think definitely it's the bullpen. I think I mean, I think that's kind of the unanimous um, choice, I guess, for, for fans right now. And um, I think cause just because the depth in the bullpen, is, it is a real – a real concern with Brandon Morrill going to be on the shelf for, for at least April, for a good part of April. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, otherwise, they they lost. I mean, Justin Wilson wasn't really the best uh, reliever for the Cubs. I mean, they gave they gave up um, a big prospect um, just to get him, but he really didn't live up to the hype that Cubs fans and the Cubs organization expected for him. But he'll be gone. So that's just um, innings that he could eat up. And, and possibly like um, a blowout kind of game, I guess. He was just kind of an innings eater, um, which took uh, stress off the other part of the bullpen. But also, it's just going to go – the Cubs are going to need um, – I don't know. I just don't think they have the, the right depth in bullpen. I mean, Steve Shishak has been – he was solid last year. And uh, re- another guy like Randy Rosario is going to have to step up. Pedro Strope's going to have to be um, at the top of the game. So there's a lot of questions um, if, the, if the bullpen can – um, they were one of the best last year in the league, but I mean, there's each year there's always there's always something new that pops up. So they're going to need to be at the top of their game each. I mean, there's going to be no no slacking off any time of the any time of the year if they want to have um, if they want to keep um, their playoff run going. Yep, um, I definitely say it's all hitting for me. By the way, with the Cubs. All right, so we have two more questions. Here's our last recorded one. Hey guys, I have a quick NFL question for you. Antonio Brown's had a rough week. What's the right fit for him for next year? And is he worth the headaches? Thanks to the best. Michael, you can definitely take that one. Yeah, um, we kind of talked about that earlier, uh, about Antonio Brown. But I think for the best thing, they're going to have to eat a lot of money. 
off his contract. Um, just like dead money, just to trade him away. Um, it's over like ten million. Um, it's either, it's either 10, 10 million or twenty million. I forget what it is now for dead money, but um, it's just part of the contract. The Steelers got to eat, but it's definitely going to be a big. I think he definitely will be gone by the start of the season. I think a team that a team that to watch out for, honestly, I think is the Packers, just because they're going to need. If they could put him besides um, Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown on on each side, that's going to be pretty scary for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, then definitely they have cap money to absorb for his contract, and I think I think that definitely they the Packers could be a team to take a, ch- a chance on him because they know what he does on the field. But I think that's a team to look out for. Another team could be like Arizona Cardinals. I don't I don't know. Um, just looking at cap money, I'm just thinking about teams that have a lot of cap. Yeah, like, for like sure. Like the Colts, maybe too. They have a lot of cap money, but um, definitely, yeah, teams, teams that are that are a lot of flexibility could take a chance on him, and and he definitely put it, puts a team over over the top to um, be out of contention, into contention, or a Super Bowl contention. Like, yeah, like, yeah. So he's gonna like, he's gonna be a big buy. Um, it's interesting because I mean, even though in, lately it's changed. In the past, we've really thought of Antonio Brown as kind of a Steelers like franchise player or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's interesting to think of him on different teams. Yeah, but yeah, um, good question for sure. So here's our last question. Um, it's from Katie Pierce, who's our editor in chief, and she has an interesting question about a story that um, probably won't get much coverage, but it's a local story that I think that we should um, look into, and that is um, that Illinois um, is hoping to potentially make um, their splash into um, Division One. Um, hockey and potentially join Big Ten hockey with the likes of Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, um, you know Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Notre Dame in that conference, and um, continue to expand the Big Ten and hockey. Um, and here's her question: She was really just wondering, um, like, how hard it will be for the college to get the hockey team, and um, how positive can we be that it would be a positive thing and not a negative thing, considering all the costs, considering they have to you know, cut a men's sport or add a women's sport for Title IX, all of that stuff. Um, and so I'll take this question. I think that, you know, this would be a very, very good move for Illinois. Um, U of I is going to go into a new kind of era here if they if they add hockey, and I think that that would be smart because right now, um, even with the high school guys here, even with the people younger, I know my brother is in the peak of it. This is a very, very big hockey state right now because of the Hawks dynasty. And typically when teams experience a dynasty you're going to see a following from kids sports in that direction so there's a splash of hockey players um as a result um and so i think that illinois would be doing a smart thing to kind of respond to that because by the time they get this rolling those kids are going to be in in a college and it's going to be smart like the peak of it so like my brother who's in you know middle school right now he'll eventually be in college by the time that they set this up um i mean i think that i mean i don't know as much about illinois um team to team kind of um, environment because you know as far as small sports so i don't know if they'd either cut a men's sport or add a women's sport i think probably add a women's sport as as a result of the ex- of, as a result of the expansion that hockey will bring and adding to the big three but i think that it's something exciting exciting to look into and you know considering illinois has kind of fallen out with um basketball and football although i love L- lovey smith there's really not been um much there right now it would be kind of interesting to see if they can make uh, Frozen Four, um, the thing of the future, considering Final Fours are a thing of the past for them. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say that too. Like football and basketball really have just fallen off in recent years for the Illini. But I mean, they can give fans a new a new adventure, I guess, for until football possibly can um, give them hopes, I guess, for something like in the future that 
that is worth watching while football attempts to get uh, up to where they where they were years ago. I mean, um, that that could be I mean interesting, yeah, for definitely riveting for for fans to watch on a on a on in, in the winter months. Um, it's just pretty good excitement, I believe, for for fans possibly in coming years, and yeah, that'll be pretty interesting to go see. Definitely a hockey game for Illinois. Yeah, for sure. That would be fun. Um, as a Michigan fan, it would be awesome to see them in the area. I love college hockey. It's a fun – I encourage people to um, engage in it if they love hockey. Um, it's 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 a ton of fun because it's a very, very tight fan environment. You get some of the coolest student sections in sports because it's just, it's just so tight and clever and fun. It's a, it's a great sport, um, and, and U of I would be a great addition to it. Um, so, yeah, so those are all of our – um, those are all of our, all of your scouting. Thank you for sending in your questions to the voicemail box. Uh, make sure to do more of it. Let's get more and more of this. Let's make this a big segment. Um, so make sure to um, call in and leave your question at 224-544-9330. You'll be greeted by me um, letting you know to leave your question. I got an awesome voice recording in there. So it's, it's really, really set up to be cool like that. So uh, we're excited to let this segment grow. So, yeah, definitely send in your questions, 224 544 9330. Um, yeah, it'll be good in the future. So, uh, last, let's move to our final segment before we go here. Um, just wait till next week, of course, talking about what we're going to talk about next week. And for me, um, I think it's pretty simple. We're going to talk about um, basketball, but the better kind of basketball, college basketball, um, obviously moving into March. We got some huge things planned for March Madness, as we said. So, it'll really start to move into that. Obviously, spring training, that'll be super exciting. We'll probably talk about the over-exciting takes we have from that. Um, the next week of Hawks of Blackhawks hockey, what are they doing? Are they still in the playoff run? That type of stuff. There'll probably be some NBA stories popping up, and all eyes are on Bryce Harper. So that's kind of what I think we got next week. Yeah, hopefully hopefully now with Machado signed, I think Harp, Harper really um, – there, there is a timetable kind of set now, I think, that is going to be pretty soon before he gets signed because definitely um, – Machado set set the the standard I guess for for Machado. I mean, he has something to go off now um for the show teams like hey, look, Machado got this contract. I'm probably worth a little bit more. So definitely he um he he, he has a path set for him and he's definitely going to get the contract that he was thinking about before before the start of free agency has been a wild been a wild off season for him um and Machado, but definitely yeah. I think Harper Harper will be signed, I think. My that's kind of my prediction by this next episode next week yeah for sure all right so that's all we got today um congratulations for sticking through and listening to this whole thing we appreciate it that's awesome um make sure to subscribe to subscribe to our apple podcast hopefully this show is on that um uh, give us a positive review do all you can to spread the show um it'll be awesome um read the forest scout there are lots of good articles on there i recently had a music article come out on musical activism it's an awesome article as i said it edited shaw's article there's a bunch of great stuff on there um, and you know, not even the local stuff. I would say I talked about the talent show earlier, but, um, lots of awesome, uh, things to read into both inside and outside of sports, um, in both local and national stuff. So look into yeah, that. A lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- thank you. Um, I'm Michael Raup. I'm Joey Goodsir. And, um, um, uh, in the meantime, we'll keep on scouting, um, and get ready for another episode of sports scouts next week. Thank you.